Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Holtcast. As always, I'm Jack Grimsey, and alongside me today is James Russian. Welcome back, James. Thank you very much, Jack. Glad to be back. Yeah, becoming somewhat somewhat regular appearance. Robert um, had, some, had some more uh, actual real-life stuff to take care of, so glad, yeah. glad you could join us, uh, even though it is, what, almost midnight. Back yeah, yeah, but you got it. I've, I've got a journey. Only positive thing about Aston Villa now that's appearing on these uh, podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing, one thing's for sure that's somewhat positive about Villa. I mean, maybe too little, too late. But five matches unbeaten in all competitions—that's not terrible. It's amazing, actually. It's, it's come to you, it's a completely different Villa. Villa. I mean, too little, too late, as you said. But five matches unbeaten still brings us a little smarty face. Yeah, exactly. And maybe throughout the rest of the season, they can actually play some some decent football and at least give us some entertainment. So if you're going to go down, at least go down with a fight and make it enjoyable. That's all, that's all it is, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't be un- unhappy if we go down now simply because they have tried. They've got, I mean, situations prevented them from trying beforehand. Uh, there was no game plan. Now it looks like they're set for every match and that's all, all I'm happy about is that they've got it together. It's one of those seasons isn't it really yeah yeah just, just try to year. imagine yeah. imagine i guess what what could have been maybe if remy guard had a whole preseason at his disposal yeah. instead of having to learn everything about the squad in a couple of weeks really on the job it's i mean the saying is being a manager is like and working the transfer market is like flying an airplane while you're trying to build it yeah and i mean i think it's pretty evident what guards had to do yeah, I think uh, every manager needs time. Um, it's pretty silly to dismiss our managers quicker than 18 months unless the name's Tim Sherwood. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, like, football management's about consistency. It's about having a plan, long-term plan. And uh, Remy Gard has done so well so far for Aston Villa. I mean, he's blew my expectations out of the water. The fact that we're even competing in the Premier League still. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And last week, it wasn't terrible. It was, I mean, it was scoreless draw against West Brom. Some days you're going to go out and you're going to play a team that yeah. is very, very organized and doesn't really want to do much attacking. But and you know, when it doesn't all come off for Villa, then you're going to be you're going to be stuck scoreless because there's still really a lack of a goal scoring threat in the team. Yeah. Um... I mean, the performance is pretty devalued by the fact it was a terrible match. But that's something that really, I thought, having looked back on it, really performed well. Um, they certainly should have lost that match by rights. Um, it was a derby match away, and they're the worst team in the league. So, you know, on paper, they lose it every single time. Yeah, um, we haven't won at the Hawthorns in years. I think the last time the last time we won there in the Premier League, uh, Karu, Nick Bonlahor had the goals. We won 2-1. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, and I have to go on here about Carlos Hill because, man, that guy impressed me so much in that match because they did target to give him a kick in. He got stamped on a few times. And yeah, the first couple of times he'd reel in pain and roll on the floor for a bit long. But then after the third one, he just got straight back up, went straight back into the match. And I think he tried his best to uh, show him what he's made of. Yeah, and really, I mean, it wasn't just him. Everybody was... Leaving the tackles and Micah Richards, I think, could have been sent off. Yeah, Micah Richards, uh, he was a very underrated in that match. I thought, um, playing at right back for the first time in the Premier League for god knows how long. Yeah, he, I think he really did give in a good, uh, spirited performance. Maybe not as good as the ones we've seen from Bakuna lately, 
God, he can't cross at all, can he? <laughs> Every time. Every yeah. single time. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's that's how it's been with Villa, I think, late. Not, not lately. Lately is in the past few years. Yeah. So um, it's just, just no end product. But you, like you said, I can't, can't fault the performance or the effort from the players. No, nah, uh, for me, it's a 10 out of 10 performance. The only thing missing is goals. They did everything except score. That's it. Um, Ashley Wessel played very well. I'm surprised at how well he played. Um, the only probably disappointing one is Leibor Kozak. Um, he did make a few intelligent plays, but he just looked run out of the match. Completely put out of the match. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's still trying to find his feet. Really, again, it's it was such a long layoff from yeah. playing at the top level. It's you know a totally different game from playing in the reserves. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I can't. You know, I can't fault him for coming back. And you know, he must be so unfit, so so unfit after so long out. You know, he, he needs a good consistent spell of games to get anywhere near what he should be. And who knows if he's. You know, playing style has been affected by that injury. It's a terrible injury. It's uh, easy to forget how bad that injury was. Yeah, and um, I know something that some people were mentioning at at the pub during the match was the mental side of the game for Kozak as well as the physical. Is you've got to be able to trust your body to uh, go do everything that you needed to do without having to worry about the possibility of re-injuring yourself. And when you've been out for yeah. what eighteen months, you know, I mean, he can't. Chuck himself into every situation like the healthy Rudy that Gestead can. Can well, I say healthy? He's, he's out injured now, but um, you know, Kozak can't chuck himself into situations like another person could, like Ayu or uh, Gestead, because not just because of his injury, but but because it was botched by a doctor and he could potentially have never played again, let alone walk again. But amazing to see him actually on a football field. Yeah, and. Like you, like you brought up the Justed injury. It's I think we were really unlucky with how he came on and then, yeah. then was injured from a sub perspective. You, and maybe you could have could have had Jack Grealish come on or yeah. Um, as I said, um, you know, luck hasn't doesn't go your way when you're down the bottom bottom of the Premier League, and we've seen that with penalties, so I don't need to talk about it. But especially you know with an added injury now, um, Aston Villa are going to struggle to get a striker in the transfer window and that's just more bad news on top of a terrible year for bad news you're right and but the the thing is i guess is maybe maybe remy could learn a little bit more about the players he has if nobody can come in yeah um he'll certainly have to push some people to the front and maybe put some people who are unfamiliar with a striking position up front maybe uh Bring Scott Sinclair back into the fold to play up front permanently. Um, if he doesn't get a sold, that is. But yeah, um, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how ingenuitive our manager can be in the coming games. Yeah, and even even with the lack of of a real goal threat, it's still good to see the team not conceding, holding West Brom to a clean sheet, and of course, just yeah. so much so much improved defensively from oh, of course. Ball under Sherwood. Um, against Sherwood, under Sherwood, I think we were too we were too hot headed. It's it's like we wanted to win the match as soon as it started, and when you know we pushed too high, left gaps, and teams exploited that easily. Like teams like West Brom would exploit that easily. Um, heads down, one nil loss. <laughs> we'd never get back into the game. 
Um, it's nice to see some structure under Remigard. It's he's clearly gone into the players' heads that you know a goal lead for the other team doesn't mean the match is over. Yeah, and a little a little bit of caution in possession because when we were making that just those one or two mistakes, it would always result in the other team capitalizing with a goal or two. And yeah, you know when you're when you're struggling up top and the luck's not going your way, you can't afford that. Now, one thing I've noticed more and more from uh, Aston Villa and Remigard is a lack of you know, last-minute clearances because it's clear that, you know, when the ball's bouncing around in the box, our players aren't capable of clearing the ball. They have to get it under them. And we've been playing out of defence a lot more recently and I think that's a result of seeing the panic in the box. He's just clearly told them to calm down, get the ball under your feet and play out rather than, you know, when you see the ball bounce around Julian Lescott, he can't clear it. But yeah, good to see yeah. so many improvements. It just brings me back to the that QPR match last year in Bakuna, trying to head it out, and it just it just all going horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, that was a great match as well. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fantastic match. <laughs> Entertainment yeah. ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, ten out of ten. We haven't had that ten out of ten entertainment for a while, actually. No, no. I mean, maybe maybe the Leicester match would have been if you were in neutral, but definitely not for Villa supporters. No, um, maybe the Crystal Palace one. That was a bit more. I don't know. Nah. Yeah, it was six nah, yeah. goals. The, I mean, Villa, Villa have only scored two goals on, what, four occasions this year, and we've lost three of those and drawn the other one. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. I feel sorry for the amount of people who put in the betting slip asking Villa to win three goals or more, because it's never going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you've got to know by now. This team just is incapable of scoring. <laughs> Crazy, man. Crazy. Yeah, I guess. I guess final final thoughts on the match. Bun obviously was good enough to keep West Brom out, and but we ultimately needed a win and didn't come away with it. So, yeah. one, I don't know if they're still putting nails into the coffin, but we, we have to be going down for sure at this point. I think the funeral was already a few weeks ago, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. As I said, I've accepted. I feel like I've accepted relegation now. It's just come calmly, almost like one of the stages of grief. I was so angry about it a few weeks ago, and now I've accepted it. I think, and uh, just got to move on and hope for the best. And maybe if we do stay, that's just a bonus now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> totally, totally unexpected. Like yeah, like you said, you can only be angry about something for so long when you just get to the point where you don't care. You yeah. All you have to do is look at the Premier League table and you've got you look at everything and there's no team that deserves to be bottom than Aston Villa over than Aston Villa. And <laughs> yeah, Aston Villa are clearly the worst football team. Well were the worst football team. They're suffering for the past mistakes uh, of the, the season the half of the season last year. And they've really suffered for them. <laughs> because uh, there's no way this team would be going down playing as they are now. If they've done that the whole year. No, sixteenth maybe. I'm not going down. Yeah, yeah, really definitely. Uh, we're gonna get to the. I guess we may as well get to uh, the transfer window now. Like you're, like we were saying, with the lack of striking options, you'd like to bring in another striker, but Villa probably won't be able to get one. And even even if they could get a world class striker, it wouldn't matter. Nah, uh, Christian Benteke wouldn't save this team, and he's the only. He's the highest option we have possibly available to us. Uh, not that it will happen, but clearly it's the only semi-realistic option. 
of anyone good coming anywhere near Aston Villa Football Club. Yeah, and Loke Remy probably going to go back to Newcastle. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that can help them. Maybe it, I mean he could have helped Villa if we if we just had a few more points coming into January. It would have been worth it to make some moves. Yeah, um, it is annoying because I'm not saying that Aston Villa should chuck money at the problem, but they clearly need to invest in a few key individuals who are not necessarily world class players, but people they can pick up. Not not even bargains, just people. That they want to be in their football team and make offers for these to bed them in for when we are relegated and you know it's not just a whole you know rebuilding summer again yeah I, th- I think it was just annoying to see Charlie Austin go to Southampton yeah I mean the, it was four million but he's on 100k a week and it's just annoying because Villa could have signed him in the summer maybe and also Edibay are going to Palace because you know who knows Maybe you yeah. could have helped if, um, if, if you'd gone for him in the summer. I mean, Charlie Austin deserves every penny of that 100k a week. Um, dude just scores goals. He just, he's not even a very, an extremely good footballer. He's just got a knack of scoring goals. Um, it's a shame because you look... Um, Rudy just said it's come on a lot, a lot since we last spoke on the podcast. He's uh, actually looked like someone who can perform <laughs> in our team. Um, but you look at what he's been paid, um, probably around £30,000 and the transfer fee we paid. I mean, we could have afforded Charlie Austin. We could have spent that twelve million. That's just too Rudy Rudy just said. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. We could have. I think we could have afforded to spend thirty million more last summer if the, if that would have kept us up. Yeah, um, you, know, you can you can find that in the TV money in the next year. Yeah, um, exactly. And no, there's no words that can describe. Not I wouldn't say it's a fail, failure, um, but everything did go wrong in that transfer window we got some amazing players but it wasn't enough was it uh, you know there are no words to describe how the club has been run and not by Tom Fox or Steve Hollis they barely had a chance to do anything but trying to inject a, a plan that should have taken five or ten years into three months of the summer is never going to work no no it's, I mean you can't you can't make wholesale changes that quickly and that's what needed to be done because the spine of the squad really had gone Benteke, Dolph, even Ron Vlar But uh, yeah, going back to this transfer window I'm surprised that it's actually nothing of note has happened Yeah, just literally nothing We heard about the Debussy and Kalinic links for weeks, months before (laughs) <laughs> this transfer window's open, and that's still the only ones. Um, do you, who do you see Aston Villa actually getting? I don't know. Um, I think I think Kalinic seemed seemed a real possibility until the FA. Do not get me started on that work. Fuck you now. Just decided oh. um, that he couldn't contribute anything to England because Aston Villa aren't in the top six. I guess. Yeah, I mean, if we chucked ten million and uh, seventy-five grand a week at him, he'd be he'd have played two matches already. Um, it is disgusting. There are like like our transfer window. There are no words to describe how ridiculous it is. Um, if the excuse is that he gives English players a chance, then we should just buy loads of EU players who don't need a work permit. It is the fact that money is more of a. Um, a role, a factor in getting a work permit than performances just tells you everything you need to know about that. 
Yeah, and it's incredibly stupid that matches played for the national team is a factor in that, especially as a goalkeeper. Exactly. How are you meant to develop young players? You know, p- potentially ones who would become English citizens and be able to play for the English national team? <laughs> no. <laughs> Bringing people in like 16, 18, 17, being there for five years, getting the English passport and playing for the national team. You know, developing people. <laughs> it is... I'm not sure how to describe the stupidity of it all. Clearly, there just needs to be a regulation on players coming from outside the EU because that's the, that's the rules. You know, you need a work permit. But the way it's, the system is just broken, 100% utterly broken. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if we're going to actually see any players come in. That would Coming into January, even if even though I figured we were down, you, I definitely thought that yeah. at least two two or three players would be coming in. Players that um, Remy would want for the championship, maybe, or could see something out of this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Villa's scouting team have got a hell of a job now to try and recruit anyone of value inside the EU that Remy wants, because you know, having a major target shot down on that would surely be a knock to their confidence. And they must have thought that he'd get a work permit. There's no way they'd have made a bid if they didn't think it was possible. Yeah, because now look, all the other teams know about him, basically, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if there is a team out there that wants him, that is willing to... I would say it's cheating as well to get around it by offering more money than he's actually worth. It, it inflates the market. You know, that's not good for... I'm not, I'm not an economist, but <laughs> surely offering... False values of like money for someone just to, and the off chance that you get them, it just ruins the value of players. Yeah, even more so than what's already happening. Yeah, and what happens to English players' value now? Does that just skyrocket? <laughs> what, yeah, you know, oh, it's not even worth. Actually, <laughs> um, before we came on, uh, it was you know revealed in the Telegraph that Aston Villa were appealing again in a rare circumstance where someone's actually went to the FA, this is really unfair. So, yeah. We did manage to get rid of a player, though, today. It was announced that Philippe yeah. Senderos' contract um, was terminated. They agreed, uh, the player in the club agreed to mutual termination. It looked for a while like we were going to actually get some club to pay for him. but Yeah, no, I mean... Fair place. I mean, he's not a bad player, and it's weird that we cast him out like that. I mean, it's pretty much all down to Tim Sherwood shooting and Zogby over him. Um, yeah, and, and it's weird because Senderos was good at the beginning of last season under exactly. Lambert. And then he, he had an injury problem, and then that was the end of his Villa career. It is frustrating because Aston Villa seem to be one of these teams. Actually, they seem to be the only example of a team that just kind of kicks players out. I mean, fair play to Sendros. He wants playing time and he's contract to be cancelled, but he should have never got to that point in the first place. You know, you have to use every player you buy, otherwise there's no point in buying anyone because if you on the off chance you're not going to use a guy that you spent money on, I mean, whatever his value, if he came, came in for about two million, you'd think two million to Aston Villa in this transfer window would be a lot, be worth a lot more than what they spent two million on two years ago. Yeah, at least at least three or three times as much. Exactly. Um, 
I think Remy Gard is pretty much begging for two million at the moment. So, it, I mean, Senderos, Senderos is in a, um, there's no room for him in the Aston Villa team at the moment, but I think he's, he's a better player than Kieran Clark. He's a stronger body than most, some of the central defenders we've got, and I'm not sure why he was not picked to be in the squad. Yeah, at least registered in January, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, at, as you did, at least registered. Um, I trust Remy Gard's opinion more than Tim Sherwood's, and Senderos was clearly going anyway. Um, he couldn't be registered, and then we needed a registration space for Ali Sissoko. Uh, but yeah, the proofs in the pudding. Uh, if he wasn't good enough, then he's not good enough. But it just goes to show that Aston Villa clearly just been buying people on a whim for quite a while now. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just more, I guess, more evidence of the poor transfer dealings at the club. Yeah, um, more. Because <laughs> oh, one of my favourite stories about Aston Villa is the story of Christian Benteke, because I think it pretty much proves that Villa pre- had no scouting department. Because Alex, Alex McLeish wanted to buy him, and then Paul Lambert buys him. So, so who's the... the you know, who's the backroom staff there? Is it Alex McLeish suggesting it? Is he watching YouTube videos and going, oh, Randy, we need to get this guy? What's... <laughs> yeah, or is it Learner's Kid playing FM and saying this and finally they cave when Lambert was there? This shows that Paul Lambert didn't scout a player that he brought in. It was brought on a recommendation of someone else, whether it was a scouting team. But then Tom Fox said there was no scouting department at Aston Villa when he joined. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's yeah. a pretty pretty big indictment. You go on a big list of these players that have been brought in, and can you even remember Karim Malamade? Can you? Yeah, like, went, goes back to the same club we bought him for, or like Brett Holman now off in UAE yeah, or wherever he is. But yeah, there's been so many. Senderos uh, is another. Um, Aston Villa have clearly done some work. And it goes the transfer of Fabian Dow from Christian Benteke bringing in so much money. The club and nothing being done with it. Yeah, there was the money was available to make a splash signing. Yeah, not necessarily even a splash signing, just someone of worth. I mean, Johan Kabayo was up. Yeah, I, I just mean you. I think you have to break the bank at striker if you want guaranteed value. Yeah, and as we said, Charlie Austin was there. Um, Aston Villa have not made good decisions in the transfer market, and that will have to change instantly. Um, soon in, in the summer, they've got to be the best, the best players of the market to get anywhere. Yeah. And when when the money's tight, there's just that much less margin for error. So mm. if if you screw it up in the championship, it's amplified that many more times over because you just don't have that budget. Yeah, every year Aston Villa out in the Premier League. It's a year that they damn themselves to stagnation. It is scary because if they don't come up in the t- in two years, those payments get less and less. They, uh, then they disappear. And yeah, then then you're just hoping for a, a crop of players to come through the academy. Yeah, unfortunately, Aston Villa are built like that. Um, but going back to the AGM, it just seems that Aston Villa actually worked out how to run a football club. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think they have the right people in place with Fox yeah. and Hollis, although some 
some fans don't share that opinion. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really had a chance to do anything. Uh, one thing I can point out, Tom Fox, is his, his lack of... Um, I don't know what to, how, to, how to word this, but when at the start of the season, there was going to be a banner, uh, like a, a mass mosaic, Aston Villa saying prepared, and apparently he vetoed that because he didn't think Aston Villa were prepared. When he was asked about that at the AGM, he didn't he didn't deny it. He just said he couldn't remember if he did that or <laughs> along the lines of that. I think I think he got the wrong end of the stick about how to run a football club. He did more attention needs needed to be paid to the on on pitch performances rather than how the club actually looked. So, I mean, uh, he wasn't wrong in saying that we were prepared. No, he wasn't wrong. But God, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah, embarrassing. I, I mean, I, having a couple of days off, off his answers, he did seem to be saying the right things and fans got annoyed because it's business talk and a lot of the older fans, you know, they don't want to hear this business talk. This wasn't a part of the game for them when they watched Austin Villa. I don't understand why you wouldn't want Villa to become a more of a household name in places like China or even the US or something because... Some a bunch of people buy a shirt, we can buy a new player. Exactly, but for them, <laughs> I guess. For them, I, mean, I guess. No, you, do, you don't want to be seen as just uh, yeah. 20 quid coming in the gate every week, but you have to look at the revenue split, and most of the money isn't match day revenue. We're not Arsenal that's yeah, no. just charging exorbitant amounts for a seat. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it, is, it is expensive, don't get me wrong, but... Tom Fox said, basically, the reason we signed with these two QuickBooks and Under Armour is because they represent Aston Villa to their employees. They, they have pictures, mosaics, you know, newsletters going to their employees. And the Under Armour will, sorry, because they're not signed yet. But Aston Villa will be represented to massive corporations in America through their employees. And yeah, under, and I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of Under Armour as, I mean... They have Spurs, the Spurs contract. That's probably a big part of it. And I don't know. It's I don't have a problem with Under Armour. I own a few things made by them. Yeah. But look at who they're they're signing now. They have Steph Curry and Cam Newton. Those are two huge, huge personalities. And yeah, their sports. Under Armour are up there with really, Nike, really growing. and Aston Villa will be their second. You know, their marquee. <laughs> yeah. Club. Um, every inch of the Tottenham kit is designed with a, with a part of history. Every inch of the Tottenham kit tells a story. I didn't realise that until I read about it. <laughs> I mean, Macken was nice. I liked I like the yeah. uh, like the embossed lion on it, but no one knows what Macron is. Almost anywhere, and yeah, Macron. Um, they don't. They don't have yeah. the. They don't have the advertising budget. You know, I guess. Macron pay us fifty million pounds over four years compared to Arsenal's I think it's a hundred and fifty million over five years. Yeah. Under Under Armour paying Tottenham for fifty million. And we're getting fifteen. I'm not sure how that represents a success for anyone at Aston Villa Football Club, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, um I'm looking forward to the future. Um it it does mean will be in the Football League, the Skybet Championship. Yeah. But having someone who will represent the history of Aston Villa to, you know, in a wider market makes me proud. Makes me proud that Under Armour have taken Aston Villa on 
to be their second club to represent, you know, it's not like these things just happen where people are begging for contracts. They have to be worked on. Yeah, it's not pushed, It's not like yeah. how we, we used to actually be paying Nike to make the shirts. Yeah. and that, That's a disaster. And now, I mean, you, you look at it now and that's that's a much better situation. Yeah. If um, Tom Fox has persuaded Under Armour to represent us, you know, that is a 100% win regardless of the money that comes in. Because we've got a massive brand in America that holds two flags in the air. One's Tottenham Hotspur and one's Aston Villa. It's a win-win for me. Regardless yeah, I think Fox is definitely earning his, his salary. But Yeah, fingers crossed he continues. And I uh, hope he maybe learns his lesson about interacting with fans. <laughs> he might not want yeah. to be so candid in the future. Yeah, I think you, you can always learn learn from that and improve yeah. because it's, it's always going to be tough when the club is really struggling like we are right now. Yeah. But um, I guess one, it's not really a transfer, but Villa did bring in a new assistant manager, Eric Black. He left his job at Rotherham United on Monday yeah. to join Remy Guard's staff. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have been taking the piss out of him, basically, because of the clubs he's worked at. But I don't think that's a fair reflection on his actual ability. You know, he's had some high-pressure jobs. He's worked in all areas of football. He's played in France. He was part of Alex Ferguson's uh, amazing Aberdeen team. You know, he's learned from a lot of minds in this game. He's seen a lot of situations. You know, he's not managing Gaston, but he's assisting Remy Gard. So anything he brings to the table is going to be of extreme value. Especially going forward, I think knowledge of the lower leagues and just, I don't know, the yeah. landscape there is invaluable, especially for Gard, who hasn't even been to the Premier League before and is still getting used to England. Yeah, and uh, Eric Black's not exactly a young, um, not exactly an old guy. No, he's got. A, he's. I think he's fifty-two, and he's got a wealth of coaching and management experience. Yeah, it's. A, it's. No. I think it's a good point in his career. You know, kind of. He's still still has some some energy, but he's been around the block. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people facepalm, but doing the facepalm emoji when we uh, signed him. But I think he's clearly not the best coach out there. But I think it's a great signing for us in Villa just to bring more experience in. You know, he's the guy oh, who's been around. Sorry to interrupt, but look at look at Roy Wilkins. Wilkins had all this experience, top clubs, and he didn't Wilkins, do one thing. No, Ray he didn't Wilkins even do anything. A, you know, <laughs> he's just hollow inside. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing in his head. Like I've seen him analyze. He's like, you know, the vines that go around of Jamie Redknapp analyzing on a Monday night football, and it's <laughs> terrible. Ray Wilkins is like that. Tim Sherwood's like that. They're all yeah. of a similar mind where football is run hard and play the ball hard. <laughs> like Just try hard. Yeah. And win. <laughs> run after it. Be the biggest man and you, you'll win. Yeah. And, you know, there are people, people define my success at a coaching level by the trophies won. And I don't think that's. You know, trophies can be won by luck. Leagues can be won by luck. Um, for me, someone like Steve Bruce is a good manager. Someone like Sam Allardyce is a good manager. Um, before Even Tony Pulis, who yeah. the flawless record of avoiding relegation. No, yeah, you just have to, to look at the situation. I hate there. him. <laughs> well, I, I do, but he hasn't been relegated. Did you hear that he headbutted someone naked in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, Tony Pierce is a good manager for what 
for what he does, he sets he sets out, he achieves what he sets out to do. Um, you know, we define we are so quick to define the success of management by the amount of games you won and win ratios, and clearly that's got nothing to do with it, as we've seen with Tim Sherwood. Yeah, his, his <laughs> Mr. Win ratio is his percentages in the toilet after last fall. So <laughs> yeah, we get him, but um. Yeah, Eric Black is a it's a good good appointment. Um, I can't believe Aston Villa was so long without an assistant manager. Yeah, that's I think that's just the craziest thing in in the whole the whole saga of it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, fair play. Um, I mean, apparently Remigard's brought him on out of personal choice. He rejected some higher higher I say higher up candidates that are brought to him. He chooses Eric Black, so full steam ahead. Yeah, it's good. it's good to see that he has the he's been given the freedom to do so from the upper management. They obviously trust him, and yeah, it's it at least at this point seems to be a pretty good relationship. They know the board has to know we're going down. Remy knows we're going down, but let's just start trying to figure it out so we can come back up right away. Yeah, build that infrastructure. Get it ready. All right, with that, let's move on to Twitter questions, and first one from. Dean Garbet at Dean Garbe. Why are we so shit? Um, I don't know. Sherwood. We'll just we'll just lay it all on Sherwood. Or yeah, um, why are we so shit? Or because, Paul Fox. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is because our football club didn't realise they had to do things like scout players until this year. Even in football manager, like I, I hate to compare a game as simple as football manager to this, but. It is so simple to scout players, you know, across. I can't believe it. <laughs> no, why are we so shit? Because we didn't know how to do things. Then we hired Tim Sherwood because we thought people would want him to be a manager. And then that's it. Yep, simple as that. Next one from uh, F. Wallace at F. Wallace. Will there ever be a boy born that can swim faster than a shark? I think there has been. And his name is Gabby Abanglahor. Can Gabby swim? <laughs> no, I think he'll drown if he fucking fell in a puddle. <laughs> that's that's why they can't ship him off to France, is he? <laughs> the gods do poor now, so he's he's gonna have to find his own transport. I I honestly don't think Gabby can do many things, and <laughs> swimming is not one of those things. I think he just goes on Instagram for twenty three hours a day and sleeps. <laughs> I heard he's actually quite good at Photoshop, though. <laughs> do you think he types with one finger, like really slowly? No, I th- honestly, I could see him being a guy who he just gets behind the computer and is just a totally different person. I think, at least that just it's just funny to think about as someone who's just like <laughs> I don't know, like a hacker or something. It's just brilliant. And then I like to imagine gets away and they ask him a simple question. He's like, you know, I what I wasn't paying attention or something. You know, <laughs> I like to imagine he's got his reading glasses down his nose in bed, reading War and Peace. By his poster. <laughs> <laughs> the secret. Secret he's so intellectual. He's so bad at football because he's distracted by the epics, the great American classics when he's playing football. <laughs> a tale of two villas. <laughs> he's just... God damn it, Gabby. Um, all right, and from Ellis Sanford, one of our writers at It's Ellis, uh, who would you rather have, Ashley Westwood or Barry Bannon? And in an Aston Villa side, to clarify. Um... I don't know. I don't think Barry Bannon was ever really a bad player. Um, he certainly had bad spells. But it's another case of Aston Villa 
letting their youth go without trying to develop them. Yeah, I think he's he obviously wasn't a player that could have added much to McLeish's team or even Lambert's team, but maybe now under guard. Exactly. He is he's more of a more of a luxury player and if we're playing a dominant style in the championship, he, he could be useful. But yeah. like you were saying earlier in the show, Westwood was really good last week and maybe is finding his feet under under guard. Yeah, exactly. Um I think that Remy God's paying the sins from ages past. You know, he's got a deal that he with the fact that he doesn't have Andy Lyman, Barry Bannon, Daniel Johnson, many others that have come for Austin Vidal and went. Yeah, Daniel Johnson leaving for 50k now. I will never, ever forget that, I think, as long as I live. Totally unacceptable. He's probably, I wouldn't go to say the best, but he would definitely be in the Aston Villa side now. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a really good tie into our next question from Dean Malarkey at Dean AVFC. The one that got away, which Villa Academy graduate sold or released is the biggest mistake slash loss? Um, you you have your choice with Daniel Johnson, Gary Cahill. Would you throw him in there? Um, yeah, I'm not sure why Gary Cahill ever went. Maybe there's some behind the scenes stuff. Um, but he only went to Bolton. You've got to think there. <laughs> what the hell went on? Yeah. Daniel Johnson for me, because it is a travesty that they didn't keep him. They literally went, yeah, we accepted a bit for 50 grand to see <laughs> You know, it's not like he came to the end of his contract or anything. It's less money than they pay Charles and Zogbia in one week. That's it's utterly brainless. I don't... I Yeah, I think I have to go with Johnson as well, because... You know, he, he's, you're right. He would be playing in the team. It's a perfect example of someone who's not gifted, but they are. You know, the, everything about their game is at such a high level. You know that you can't pick out anything. They're not amazing dribblers. You know, they can't run rings around people like Messi or Ronaldo. But they just play football for ninety minutes, and they play football well for ninety minutes. And you know, how many I mean, teams of people that can? <laughs> yeah, how many pe- teams of people that can play football well for ninety minutes? <laughs> Aston Villa don't probably have one, maybe. <laughs> it's smart bun. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'll, it goes back to what Fox said at the AGM that you know we have a sporting director who manages the sporting complex outside the first team, and that's going to go a long way to hopefully getting these youngsters through. Because going back to like the class of '92 and everything, you know, everyone in England wants to develop the next David Beckham, but they're not looking for the Paul Scholes. That's a big mistake. You know, yeah, you need, I mean, you need six or seven players who are really just the glue of your squad, and then if... Yeah, you need the yeah. smart, slow players as much as you need the fast, you know, <laughs> tricky players. Yeah. So, yeah, Daniel Johnson, for me, massive mistake for letting him go. They could have developed him into something special. Um, with I think maybe this is our last one uh, from Tyler Fisher, T Fisher 21. Uh, Sherbert or Sorbet? <laughs> Come on, you can do your joke, man. Uh, I'm Fisher. just going to go with Sherwood. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, sure would like to have either of them. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so thanks, thanks everyone for your Twitter questions. Remember, we'll get to all of those. If you send them in, um, it's kind of my fault for putting out the tweet a bit late today, but uh, yeah, anyways, 
last order of business for today is the FA Cup match. That's against Man City. It's at Villa Park this Saturday at 3 o'clock, just normal match time. Yeah. Um, this is a match I'm looking forward to, actually. Um, only chance of saving any hope for us in the series season of the cup run. I mean, if we win it and we get into Europe, we've got to throw it. We can't play European Championship. <laughs> no. no, no, that's that would... that's a disaster. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, why not go for it? Why not? Exactly, no, we we have to win to continue my plan of going draw, win, draw, win, draw, win for the rest of the year. <laughs> exactly, and Aston, you know, the FA Cup is so underrated as a competition because it is the premier competition in football. That there was nothing before the FA Cup. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not like win. it's not like winning the League Cup, which is yeah, everyone I don't, will say Mickey Mouse Cup, whatever. Yeah, the League Cup, two cups. Don't get me wrong. If I was in the quarterfinals of that, I'd be going crazy. I'd want to win that every single time. But the FA Cup, there is something so special about it because it's the fact that you know there's a team outside my house, and um, there's a stadium, Sutton Coldfield FC, outside my house, and they could potentially get to the third round one day you know yeah teams like that in so hyper local to that's villa's local to me but there's so many teams in between me and villa these little teams that that are embedded in everyone's communities and that that's what the fa cup was always about it was you know, first played in a park between you know the kid the the players from the school the old boys from the school and the wanderers and you know it's gone since then and the fact that we devalue it so much is pretty disgusting, actually, because it is such an important competition. But we let it get rearranged, and we play replays on, you know, on a Wednesday night when no one watches. I think it needs a bit more of a, a kick up the arse. Yeah, I mean, you look at the respect that Wickham gave the match and just everything when they were at Villa. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and they got it right. You know, it is annoying to have a replay. It is annoying how everything's done. But that's not down to the competition. That's down to the people who sponsor it and the people who put it on TV. They only select certain matches and then they rearrange matches and they push them out to, you know, terrible timings. But it is an amazing competition and for every bounty progress is such an honour because, you know, it's not like the Premier League. I don't think that it's, uh, you know, any given Sunday in the Premier League, but it really is in the FA Cup Some, for whatever reason. And if you don't want a replay, don't get held by a team 40 places lower than you on the football league <laughs> exactly. table. If you don't want a replay, win, win the game. Simple as. And if you, yeah, and if you don't want to be there, just lose because someone wants to be there more than you. Yeah, but um, the people we're facing, uh, Manchester City, you know, we're clearly amazing football team. So much attacking talent and such a wealth. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is injured. Fingers crossed he's not badly hurt, but hopefully he's out for Saturday. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. I think he's definitely he's definitely going to yeah. be out for Saturday. But but yeah, um, they're in a League Cup final now, so full plaudits to them. They'll be looking to uh, build on that when they take on Villa. And Villa, more importantly, will be looking to build on a massive stream of confidence that's flowing out the squad right now. Yeah, you got to imagine the mood's pretty good in the dressing room with without losing for, what, a month yeah. almost. Yeah. It's not really a pointless match, is it? Um I mean, people were saying you may as well throw it when we got Man City, but what's the point? If you throw it against Man City in the Cup, why not just do it in the league as well? You know, 
Yeah. You can't throw football match. You can't. You've got to give it your all in every single football match you're in, especially with Aston Villa. They need so many. Get- it's a shame they can't arrange friendlies midweek like Sunderland and Newcastle. You know, to get this squad properly gelling because it's clear that preseason didn't work. It actually looks like they've only just come out of preseason. Yeah, but it, it does look like they're starting to build some chemistry now and, you know, you just have to hope you can carry that through to next season. Uh, yeah, so what would your predi- predictions be then for the uh, this cup match? I mean, yeah, you, you have to, obviously you have to fancy City, but and you got to figure Villa will at least get on the score sheet here at being at home, and it won't be the drab affair we saw against West Brom. It'd be yeah. pretty open. I'd like to think that maybe some luck will go Villa's way. They're tricky in the box, and that leads to a few penalties. You know, penalties, you know, not given to them. Yeah, <laughs> so, and I mean, maybe. you look at you look at Manchester City central defenders, and. They're, yeah, they they're are. Not, they're not really the best. They're not even too too they much are. higher above the level of Villa. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could pretty much switch, switch them out for a Cora, one of them for yeah. a Cora, and um, you know he'd fit in their team perfectly. Um, so for me, I think Aston Villa will get a penalty, and I think it will be one-one. Go into a replay. Yeah, give it, give us a replay at that, Diad. Yeah, the empty hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was empty today for a semi-final, you know. There's uh, loads of uh, empty things, and I was just like, fucking hell. That's bad. Yeah, maybe the next round they'll have Chelsea and it will be El Plastico. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like like you're saying, they they had to play Everton today. They, they got through 3-1, won that. So maybe a bit of tired legs. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to say Villa 2-1. I'll go, I'll go for it, man. Why not? Why not? Yeah, uh, you know, this match is up for grabs. Uh, Aston Villa look more of a cohesive unit than Manchester City. Manchester City have so much weight shoved into the attacking, you know. And I've got I've got a figure going on layman's terms here. That's got to leave something open at the back. Yeah, they just don't, they don't really prioritise defending. And if Yaya Torre is too old to... Be an attacking mid, he's still going to be on the pitch. And if that's a defensive mid, you know, he could, he yeah, could be a, caught up the pitch. Scary player. Um, but yeah. Yeah, 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 he absolutely ran us last year. If Aston Villa keep a structure, they can win. They can, they can win this match. It isn't outside the realms to win this match. Villa have always had a bit of good fortune against City. You know, we haven't exactly been battered by them in every single match. It's not like Arsenal or Man United. We always get seem to get a good result against it. Yeah, and and like you're saying about the if the team can keep some structure, I think the midfield's really starting to come together. Yeah, Just you know, be, becoming the, one of the stronger parts of the team. Yeah, football manager, time to uh, be more disciplined. I think. What is it? Be less expressive. Stick to your positions. <laughs> Stick to your positions. But yeah, no. If they play the game, we know they're capable of playing. If they play like they're doing it to Leicester. I can't. I can see them winning. I have to go for a one-one. That seems like a more realistic result. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think just building building off the Leicester match and even in addition to the West Brom match is important. But played so well, so well against Leicester that you have to think it's it's going to start to get better. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, you know, as I said, Villa need to win this match because they can't afford another loss, another confidence rocking loss. Like I take. 
you know, carry streak as far as it can take them. Yeah, right. Right when you're getting on a bit of an upturn, you can't afford to let it slip. No. And uh, I think it will be much to Remy God's dismay if he were to play a team of youngsters. So oh, give yeah. The game no, there's no use in that. No, no. Save yeah, that for April. I think he would have killed, killed the season. Well, not him necessarily, but he would have killed the season there and then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's think it's about time to kill off this podcast as we're about wrapped up. Remember, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, uh, Google Play. Sorry, no YouTube this week, um, but maybe we'll be back in the future. We're trying to get a better better recording to improve the, the audio quality of the pod. So, thank you for sticking with us as we go through that. Remember, the game's at um, excuse me, sorry, three three GMT on Saturday, ten Eastern, and. We'll have all the coverage for you at 7500tohold.com and on Twitter and Facebook, as always. So thanks for joining us, James. No problem. Thank you very much for having me again. Yeah, we'll have you back probably sometime soon. So, <laughs> Of course. For, yeah. for James Rushton, I've been Jack Grimsey. Thanks for listening to The Holdcast.